0: I want to talk about the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life, which is the law we live under. You know, we're no longer under the law of sin and death, but we're we're operating in the law of the spirit of life, which is kind of like the law of gravity. You know, it's not these aren't rules. This is a domain and a reality that that we're in. So, Holy Spirit, just open the Word of God up and. I mean, I've done this, but just because I don't know how long ago I started Romans 1. But, you know, the whole letter to the Romans is about Jesus, the Son of God. And and it's uh, about the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. The righteous shall live by faith. So it's all about God's righteousness, not our righteousness. And uh, and so, just quickly, you know, from about uh, chapter one verse eighteen through about chapter three verse twenty, exactly, he just he just reveals the sin problem. Everybody's got it, <laughs> and there's no cure in ourselves. And then he in uh, Re- Romans three twenty one we we get this great sense of relief. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, so this is really what it's about. But he, he he's setting it up. He's never met the Romans, so he's writing them like his whole understanding of the faith, which is a treasure to all of us, and all the church for the last approximately 2,000 years, you know. So, chapter four, you know, it's it's this just it's this righteousness of God and justification, the gift of being made righteous, which is expressed in Abraham's life, and it ends with this um, statement that Abraham, you know, believed God, and it was counted to him. As righteousness, but it wasn't counted for him only verse romans four twenty four says it was for not for his sake alone but for ours also it will be counted to us who believe. so God, this is how we become by faith the children of Abraham. We receive that same blessing chapter five Starts off with the blessings of this redemption. You know that we have peace with God. That everything that happens in our life is being worked into the process by which we're transformed, and the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. <laughs> and then, um, and it's really about ending the reign of death. Uh, you know, Romans five twelve says that sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And death reigned from Adam to Moses. So thank you, Adam. You know, we all forgive Adam. <laughs> He's forgiven. He didn't, you know, he, he didn't know there was going to be a test. But the, but the amazing thing is that, that, that Jesus came and ended the reign of death and released the reign of life. Romans 5, 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, that's really important, much more will those who receive the abundance, the overflow of grace, and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So so Adam became, you know, Adam inaugurated the, the reign of death, Jesus inaugurates the reign of life, but his reign of life continues through us. You know, which is those who, have, who receive the overflow, the abundance of grace, will reign in life. Great. <laughs> reign in life, which means we're not victims we're not some neo-marxist category of oppressed people like we have been redeemed for this purpose that we would reign in life so if you've received this abundance of grace this overflow of grace it's so that you might reign in life but and you might not be real royal because jesus said my kingdom's not like the kingdoms of the world you know those who are great serve those who want to be first, you know, make themselves at the bottom of the heap and serve. And so it's a different kind of kingdom, and it's a kingdom that heals all the devastation of sin, selfishness, fear, dishonesty, everything else, you know. So thank you, Jesus. So and then the next two chapters, um, chapter six, you know, says, okay, so we're dead to sin. We have to be alive to God. And uh, we were buried with him at baptism into death. So just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so chapter six just says we're dead to sin. We are dead to sin. We're crucified with him, which meant a lot to Romans because they would see criminals crucified uh, you know, in the streets. It was horrifying. It was an it was a act of terror by the empire to terrorize people into subjection. You know, it was worse than telling everybody they have to wear masks. Now whether you know whether you think that's scientific or not scientific, but the idea of, of children wearing masks is truly questionable and it's hard on their hearts. And how much worse To go, you know, you want to take your kids to visit the relatives and you have to go along this highway and here's dead people rotting, being eaten by vultures and flies. So when he wrote to them, you are co-crucified with Christ, they had a very vivid picture of what that meant, that we're crucified to the world, but we're alive to God. So it's a, anyway, just a thought. Ah, So we're crucified with him, this is Romans 6, 6, and in order that the body of sin could be destroyed or brought to nothing, that it would be disconnected, so we're no longer operating out of this, this desire to sin, but we're, we have a different desire because we're raised in newness of life. And, uh, so, and we yield ourselves to him. We present ourselves to him. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. The free gift of God is eternal life. And then in chapter seven, this is awesome. We're also dead to the law. So chapter six, we're free from the bad things we want to do. And chapter seven, we're free from thinking the good things we do make a difference in how much God loves us. I'm just oversimplifying this, but you know, we're free from, because how many, did you ever like, you get saved by grace and then you turn into a legalist? This happened to me, you know, totally saved by grace, totally, you know, didn't know anything, just accepted Jesus, knew when it happened, knew when, when we said, okay, we're gonna worship Jesus, got covered with, with a sensation like warm oil, it was very real and it was visceral for us, but the rest of our life didn't change much, except now, for some reason, we're in love with Jesus, we're not stumbled by Christians, we don't, you know, we met weird religious people, they didn't bother us, because we met Jesus. And there's something, when you meet Jesus inside, the Holy Spirit is installed inside you as a cleansing fountain. So rather than noticing all the hypocrites, like I noticed lots of hypocritical swamis, I noticed hypocritical revolutionary leaders, so-called revolutionary leaders, I, I would get, I was looking for love in the wrong places and I kept running into hypocrites. Were there hypocrites in the church? Of course. But they didn't seem to matter at all because, the living water was welling up inside, keeping me from getting offended, resentful, and just saying, "Man, when I get old, I don't want to be like that." I remember this, this, and I won't mention the man's name in case some relative of his was watching. But I remember as a young Christian, I had this job as a as a land surveyor. This is back in the days when you actually they didn't have CAD. Uh, maps drawn you drew them by hand with india ink on linen you know and it and it was it was kind of a fun job but i had to go to the county land office and there was a guy there who, who was an older man in the church and and uh so i came in and he and he's talking about you know that we we you know we became christians and he was aware of that and uh and then he said something to me, and this guy, I'll be honest, he's kind of shriveled up in his testimony. You know, he didn't like shine, he was kind of grouchy and cynical. And, uh, and, he's, and he said this to me with no provocation. You know, I was just telling him, Yeah, this is happening, this is happening. Gee, people are getting saved, and we're going out on the streets to, to share the gospel. And, and he says, Yeah, you know, when I was young, I was like that, but you know you you 'll be like me someday, and I walked out of that that county land office, and I thought I will not <laughs> so far so far i 've succeeded, and I love the guy i mean he he helped me and all kinds of stuff, but it 's just like God delivers us from the law. you know how do you get dried up? You get dried up because You know, I wanted to know the whole Bible, so first I read four chapters a day, then I read six, then I read ten, then I was hard at work trying to memorize most of the long, horrible, not long, horrible, long, horrible to my memory books in the New Testament, in the King James, of course, you know, because it actually was easier to memorize for me than than non-King James, but... It was amazing, but, you know, without knowing it, I became a legalist, you know, because I fasted two days a week, and, and I spent hours in prayer, and, I, and, I, and somehow I went to a conference where a guy talked about how you didn't need much sleep, and you could just, like, if you, if you just slept four or five hours a day, you'd have more time to serve the Lord, so I was doing that, just... You know, which makes you not so great to live with, even though... So I repent, Romans chapter 7, because, you know, it's not, if we think the good things we do, they're coming as fruit, not as something we're doing to impress God. And we can get the, we can make this mistake, and it's good, we want to clear out all the clutter, but then we can start thinking like, well, then I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, so therefore, and God says, nice, do you know I did it all? So you could just receive it as a gift and you could live in the joy and the simplicity and not get bad attitudes toward people? Help us, Jesus. That's the clutter. Okay, so chapter seven. Uh, We're dead to the law and we're alive to the spirit. This is amazing. Romans 7, 4 says, Likewise, brothers, you've died to the law through the body that you may belong to another. And, And it's like, God, I mean, in this, Paul's using this example of of, uh, a married woman who, she's bound to her husband as long as the husband lives, but if he dies, she can marry another. But then he switches it around and he says, the law, which was the husband, you died. Wait. You know, he, he changed the analogy. That dead and then raised again, so now, we can belong to another, the one who saved us and raised us from the dead, and we're released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, which is what chapter Eight's about. Okay. The uh, Chapter 8 is, I mean, if you study chapter 8, it's like It's maybe one of the best chapters in the entire Bible, you know. And uh, the Holy Spirit is definitely the focus and dynamic and the, the new life that we live in Christ is only empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay here until you get the gift of the Father and you'll be clothed with power from on high. Very important. And so on the day of Pentecost, we can say the church was born. Even though they believed, they were already following Jesus, he said, you really can't do this until you get a new power system. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? After all this, 40 days with the risen Christ, they're still back to their their childhood expectation that the Messiah would come, wipe out all of the enemies, and establish an earthly kingdom. Will you at this time establish a kingdom? And he said, it's not for you to know. (laughs) This belongs to my father. But I will tell you something, you, Acts 1:8, will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you and then you will be my witnesses, you'll be them here in Jerusalem, you'll be it in Judea, you'll be it in Samaria, that place where you don't wanna go because of your internal prejudices and you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Woo hoo, and so he says, now go pray. Well then he went up into the, the clouds and the angel said, okay guys, time to get praying, pray, and so they did. But the message in chapter 8 is there's no condemnation. It starts out, verse 1, there is therefore no condemnation, which means we're not being judged by the law. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, sometimes people that are in Christ Jesus mess up, and I mean, you know, you have, if the enemy can't, can't discourage you he can try he'll try to condemn you you know he'll remind you that you're guilty and God must really be mad at you now and God here's the truth God is never mad at the prodigal son or at the older son prodigal son's like chapter six older son is like Romans chapter seven keeping all the rules they're both far from the father he wasn't mad at either of them he loved them and God, because Jesus has made peace, God is at peace with you. God is at peace with you. Romans 5, verse 1, He's at peace with you. Have you ever thought God was mad at you and then He speaks to you and He's really kind? This has happened to me too many times. You know, like, why would I even think that? Well, sometimes the reality is we get mad at ourselves. You know, we disappointed ourselves, we've done something that we think, God, that was not worthy of a son or a daughter of God. And we're right. And so we come in repentance. But the thing is, God was actually not mad at you the whole time. So he'll come and he'll speak kindly to us and he opens a door of hope in the valley of trouble. Okay, just. So there's no condemnation, and this chapter ends with this assurance that there's no separation from the love of God, that nothing, no one and nothing can separate us from the love of God. And in between no condemnation and no separation, there's no defeat in all of chapter 8. There's nothing that says that we messed up or we should have done better. And what's interesting to me about chapter 8, because I was studying it, you know, I'm paying you know trying to is there's no imperative verbs used in chapter eight like there's no do this do that which often Jesus tells us to do things but in chapter eight it's like paul's just laying out this life that we're invited into and says you may and so I'll just read it chapter uh, verse one there's therefore now now. See, this has to do with the current age we're living in. This, it's not about the past. It's not about the future. It's about right now. There's no condemnation. Isn't that great? When I was a young Christian, we, you know, one of the things that we, we talked about, we said, Condemnation, we called it condo bondo. Condem- bo- being in bondage to condemnation, it's like a hospital you take your soul to and you beat yourself up when you think you've been bad. And the reality is, we come to God, say, God, I'm sorry. And He says, You're clean. Get back up, get back in the game. You know, it's like, come on. So we just break that off and we declare there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is there no condemnation? Because we're actually in Christ Jesus. We're not just in Christ Jesus when we're good little boys and girls. We're in Christ Jesus when we put our faith in him, he swallowed up our problems with his solution. And, if, our, and if, if he, you know, I mean, it's beyond our understanding. We used to say, if he was small enough for our brains, he wouldn't be big enough for our problems. He has swallowed up all our failings with his accomplishment. We were singing it today. He is our champion. He defeated every foe, and he did it for us because he knew we couldn't. Now he's installed a system in us so that we, as the fullness of him who fills all in all, will release his character, his nature, his wisdom, his holiness, his good works, his love, his mercy in the nations of the earth. We're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world. Now, it... Why? Because verse two, the, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. In is where am I free? I'm free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death was covered in chapter six and seven, and but the um, so all that stuff is gone. It's finished, and we can you know we can slip, we can forget who we are. We can be like the prodigal. We can be like the older son. We can have you. This is why it's so important to feed ourselves on the word of God, to be, to be huh, like as infants longing for the sincere milk of the word, as, as ones who are growing to want the meat of the word. Hebrews chapter five, uh, first Peter chapter one, the sincere milk of the word. So, because why? God has done, God has done. That's it, God did it for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So that's the only the law was good but because it was dealing with human effort it would never succeed. Every time you read the flesh here just think human effort. Could uh, by sending his own son. That word own is really um, you know this is John 3:16. He sent his only begotten son. He sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, NIV reads, for a sin offering. That's definitely included in the meaning. He condemned sin in the flesh. So what did Jesus do on the cross? He condemned sin in the flesh. How did he do it? I, I think the word is, when we think of condemned it's like, did he judge the sin? I think he condemned it like we condemn a building. like It's no longer fit for occupation. No one should live in there. And it's scheduled for, for demolition. He condemned sin in the flesh. So just be, don't live there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, I'm giving you imperatives. Okay, verse four in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So we can't live in sin, or else the righteous requirement of the law will not be fulfilled in us. So it's the righteous requirement, what the law was seeking for is actually being, is overflowing in us. It's called the the new way of the spirit. So we wanna be filled with the spirit, Speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Fulfilled in us. And now, I like this in verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, the natural way of thinking, the natural way of trying, but according to the spirit. Now, the term according to means I'm under the relational influence of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to us, the Holy Spirit nudges us. Have you, I mean, have you ever found yourself being led by the Spirit and you didn't know you're being led by the Spirit? You didn't hear anything, you're just like, I don't know why I'm doing this. That's walking according to the Spirit. Because the spirit isn't bossing us around, not grabbing us, shaking us, very rarely sometimes. The, uh, but mu- his usual mechanism is much more subtle than that. It's, it's amazing. You know, you're just like, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here, and now I know I'm supposed to be here. This is, this is how it would mean. Okay, now what's great, we just want to clear this up. They, there's, no, there's no condemnation and there's no debt to the flesh. There's nothing, there's no pound of flesh that we're obliged to pay. This is the uh, Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh have set their minds on the things of the flesh. Very interesting, the word, I, I'm reading English Standard Version, ESV, those who live, literally it's exist. Are, and I think the New King James says those who are in the flesh, but Anyway, it, I might be wrong there, but literally it's the t- verb to be. So if I live in, if I, if I am in the flesh, then I set my mind on the flesh. I'm thinking of things in a natural way, but, and that doesn't work. <laughs> okay. But those who live according to the Spirit, sent, which means I am in the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So it's a matter of where our focus is, how we're thinking, how we're seeing life. And it's so amazing, I just saw a, a little trailer for a movie uh, th- that's been made, a little documentary on soft, di- soft dinosaur tissue. These guys in eastern Montana have been digging up T-Rex bones and inside the T-Rex bones, it, there's still soft tissue. Which kind of gets rid of the idea that the dinosaurs lived 40 million, 50 million, 100 million years ago. And I have to say, I, I mean, the, the whole geological appearance of things and the record of things are confusing. But uh, this, this paleontologist who's been digging these bones, of, it shows him, he says, guided by his biblical worldview. And there's a little picture of his red letter Bible with lots of underlines under it. But, he's, but it's amazing what happens when we walk in the spirit. We get free from things that are commonly understood as real in the world. And, some, and, you know, and this is why, anyway, it's why it's very important that we monitor the education of our children and college age people and, and, and ourselves, okay? Set their minds on the things of the Spirit, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And this is what God has for you is life and peace. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. If I'm thinking naturally, I'm probably thinking like at enmity, hostility with the way God's singing. For for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, the word please there means delight. Like, you know, obviously... You can be in the flesh and God isn't mad at you, but you're not bringing him a lot of joy, you know. I mean, he's still looking for, he sees like who you could be, he sees, up oh, there's a little glimmer, there's, there's that destiny, there's my eternal purpose here and there, and he longs to save us. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He's not, there's no anger here in God, there's, I mean, he's angry with sin, but he's not mad at you, so... But here's the good news, as believers, verse nine, you are not in the flesh, that's not where you live, but in the spirit. For if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, now this is amazing, God the Father loved us so much he sent his only son to save us. Jesus loved us so much he died for us while we were yet sinners. The Holy Spirit loves us so much he lives in us. Not just on our good days. Like he moves in while we're doing everything wrong. One of my good friends, in fact he was was my home group leader when we were very young Christians. He was called my under shepherd, Dennis Lafayette. Dennis Lafayette was dealing heroin and uh, that's what he did for money. And he he lived in Palo Alto, California and he would pick up his heroin at a car dealership that was owned by the, the former mayor of San Francisco, whose name I won't mention but the uh, but you can figure it out his first name was Joseph but the, uh, the <laughs> so you can look it up but the so so Dennis gets saved and you know he's going to the car dealership and getting his his junk from the boys and then he's out making deliveries to all his addict clients and so when he first gets saved i mean for the first 3 or 4 days after he's saved he'd just be here here's your junk and do you know Jesus loves you, he wants to save you? Like he was already running over with the Holy Spirit, but he still was a, de- a heroin drug dealer, bad. After about three or four days, he was at a Bible study and somebody told him, you know, you can't do that. You can't do, that. you're killing people, you're not helping people. And he repented, he threw it all away. He moved out of town so that whoever, um, was after him, after he quit serving, you know, he he moved to a completely different part of California and and he started growing in the Lord, met his wife, got married, been married over 50 years now and just crazy funny story and still loves Jesus and still overflows with joy after all these years and I'm saying, this is life in the spirit. Like God installs himself in us in our situation. So some people say, well, I have to clean up my life first before I can really give my life to Jesus. No, you have to really give your life to Jesus and he will clean you up. He will, cle- he will do the things that we cannot do. Just, this is how it works. It's called life in the spirit. Um, verse 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is zoe life, eternal life because of righteousness. Now you're saying, well, wait a minute. If Christ is in me, my body's not dead. Look, he's in me. My, here's, well, let, well, I'll explain that if we keep reading. It's why it's always good to read the whole thing and not just get stuck on a little phrase. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, So the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit of God, the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. So the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you. He's moved in. Isn't that amazing? Talk about slumming it, you know. Like he just like, well, he moves in. All the demons say, there goes the neighborhood. You know, they start, (laughs) (laughs) fleeing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So help, Jesus. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal body. So when it's saying that your body is dead, it means it's mortal. It's subject to death. But when, as the spirit of God is living in you, then... He is giving your mortal body life, and it, this is why we believe in healing. This is why we believe in divine health. This is why we believe, even though we might be sick. In fact, we might, you know, we might not win this battle, and we might be in heaven, and then we really won. You know, so it's so. It's like even if we lose the battle for our li- our bodies being quickened, but there is something that happens. The more God lives in us, the more we're rejuvenated. The more, and you can be, you can be old and and. Like, I, I'm 71, so I don't know what that makes me, but you could be older than me, you know? But but And you could be walking with a cane bent over and stuff, and you could be full of life. And someone talks to you and you're like, that's a good day, isn't it? You know? And it's like, this is how we want, we want to die. I want to be like Caleb. I want to take the mountain when I'm old, and I'm working on getting my attitude in shape for that. But I, but if, If that's not for me, then I know, at least I want to live every day I live to the full and to the glory of God. And so may God just fill you and quicken your mortal bodies. Okay, verse 12. We're just about done here. So then, brethren, in fact, we're really done. So then, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die but by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You will live, which means supernaturally. It, it's this, this Zoe kind of life again. And, and it's already, but not yet. For if you did, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, and the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, and we'll stop there, and you can stand up. And here's what I want to say. First of all, we understand Roman adoption was had to do with inheritance. People that wanted someone to become part of their family, they... In in Rome, they didn't adopt babies. They adopted adults. They adopt, usually they adopt, they, normally they were relatives of theirs. They could adopt a daughter and declare her a son, which was not gender confusion. It was a legal category. They, they could adopt a slave and declare him a son as a legal category. And so when it says that God adopted us, this is, This is a mind-blowing statement to these Romans because they know normally they don't adopt people who were enemies, but now he's adopting us though we were enemies, and he's making us not just that we get the full inheritance, but that we get the same inheritance as his son, that his inheritance and our inheritance are indivisible. And so when, when he, Paul writes to the Ephesians that the Spirit of God would give us uh, wisdom and revelation so we know him better and that he would reveal to us what is the hope of his calling, what is, are the riches of his inheritance in us. His inheritance is in you. Our inheritance is in him. It's the same inheritance. So I just wanna, I just wanna pray this and I, I feel like th- some of you say, "I want to live my life to the full in the Spirit." We'll keep going on this, but you say, "I, i just, I go up and down. I'm doing mediocre." I'm telling you, when you, when you're walking in the Spirit and you're filled with the Spirit and you're living in the joint inheritance that you have with Jesus, every day is a day that is designed. By the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. And it's not just to be happy, clappy, it's to do what Jesus wants to do in the earth, in you, as part of his inheritance. And God, we just break off depression, we break off despair, we break off aimlessness, we break off boredom, we break off hopelessness, and we declare, Holy Spirit, that you would fill and reveal, and we get rid of all the clutter and we make room for the only one who counts. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us, that we would live in the Spirit, according to the Spirit, in the fullness of the Spirit. Father, we ask this, we ask that we would be empowered every place we go, every school board meeting, every town hall meeting, every day we go to work, every day we open our business, every day we show up. We show up and you show up in us. We ask for this Holy Spirit, for this supernatural life in Jesus' name. So I'm just gonna, I think, are we, are we gonna sing that song real? Okay, we'll do it. I'll quit talking, and then we'll. But if you want prayer for just a fullness of life, you can come forward while we're singing.
1: Come in, invade, take over the space. Around and go pressing. We are ready. High wide
0: the holy spirits here if you can you can get past yourself he wants to fill you with his eternal purpose he wants to reactivate evangelists he wants to reactivate healing gifts and the gift of faith for miracles he wants to reactivate it so it's like that first time it ever landed on you he wants to reactivate evangelism as a lifestyle and an open opportunity and a boldness where somehow you just get in trouble you find yourself talking about jesus holy spirit would you come upon us ask the ministry team to come up and pray for these and if you don't know him or you you say you know i i've accepted jesus but i've been living a roller coaster life i'm up i'm down i'm all around and i want to be in the holy spirit every day i invite you to come forward There's an outpouring of the holy spirit on planet earth at this time and there's a harvest coming don't don't think that the news is prophetic (laughs) it's not prophetic it's just telling you the bad stuff that already happened maybe exaggerating it maybe failing to report the amazing things god's doing but read the word of god and let the holy spirit encourage you and speak to you of things that are yet to come. Holy Spirit, would you bless your people? Would you bless us? Would you reside on us and in us and act through us and lead us and guide us and empower us this week as we carry the glorious grace of God into the world wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you.